This podcast is brought to you by Springtide, and because you're listening to it, chances are you are interested in politics. And if you're interested in politics, chances are you have something that you want to say, and you might even be trying to say it better. We are offering two workshops this spring. The first one's called Speak to the Press. It's a media training workshop for people who don't know quite how to go about talking to the media about their cause or have been doing it, but want to make sure they're doing it right. Uh, And in this workshop, we're going to cover everything from why speaking to the press matters to the basics of media interviews, how to get them, what to do when you're invited to participate in one, and talk about bigger things like the journalist's work environments and how you can uh, position yourself and your cause uh, in a good light when you're speaking to the press. That's one of them. And then it's followed by a second one, which is a bit more of, uh, let's say, a masterclass. The second workshop is called The Opposite of Spin, How to Frame Political Ideas. In The Opposite of Spin course, we're going to look at the ideas of the cognitive linguist George Lakoff, who spends most of his time studying politics and how people who are trying to communicate political ideas can do better using brain science. And we'll learn about some of the theory behind cognitive framing, the use of conscious and unconscious metaphors, learn the difference between right wing and left wing from the perspective of how those ideas sit in the brain and the moral worldviews that they're based around. I am teaching both workshops. If you're interested in taking one of those courses, head over to the Springtide website, springtide.ngo. You'll see the event section as you scroll down. Uh, Click on them. You can register over at Eventbrite. There's a sliding scale for the cost of the course uh, meant to make it as accessible as we can make it uh, for people who want to take it. You're listening to Offscript, the Atlantic Canada politics podcast. My name is Mark Coffin. And I'm your host. There was a plebiscite on electoral reform on November 4th of 2016 on PEI. Islanders had a chance to choose between five voting systems, and they got to do it on a ranked ballot. One of the alternatives available, the mixed-member proportional system, won with the support of 52% of voters after four rounds of instant runoff counting, while the the first-past-the-post system had the support of only 43% of voters. The PEI government and Premier Wade McLaughlin heard the results of the non-binding plebiscite. McLaughlin said, quote, It is doubtful whether these results can be said to constitute a clear expression of the will of Prince Edward Islanders, pointing at a voter turnout level of just 36.5%. Unlike the federal government's brief and strange courtship with electoral reform, the issue of electoral reform isn't off the table on PEI entirely, far from it. Whenever the next provincial election happens, which could be any time between now and October of 2019, the government has told voters that they will be casting another ballot at the same time. This time, they'll be voting in a referendum on electoral reform, which, unlike a plebiscite, is expected to be binding. Voters will have two options to choose from, first past the post, or the mixed-member proportional system that voters chose in the 2016 plebiscite. The PEI legislature returns next week. One of the items expected to be introduced quickly is a referendum act that will lay out the rules for that contest. There currently is no referendum act on PEI. I was curious about how proportional representation advocates are organizing in preparation for this referendum. Today on the podcast, I'll share my conversation with Mark Greenan, who is the campaign manager for the Prince Edward Island Coalition for Proportional Representation. We talk about the approach his group is taking to the upcoming referendum, whenever that might be, as well as his own history and experience working on PR advocacy on PEI, which includes him working on the 2005 plebiscite on the same subject and making a master's thesis out of it. Mark and I spoke on Sunday, March 11th in Summerside, PEI.
one just important piece of background that there's maybe sometimes a sense that PR advocacy is motivated by by fairness for for third parties. And I think on PEI, it's important to note that while, while that's been important, it's also just been about fair representation of, of partisan viewpoints in mm-hmm. the legislature and, and, and I'll phrase even another more direct way in terms of effective oppositions uh, in, in our legislature. I, I think it's really fair to qualify four of the last uh, six legislatures on PEI have had just ineffective oppositions, just, you know. Four, one, one. Yeah, very tiny. Uh, member member uh, of the opposition, and and I think Islanders are start, starting more and more to, to see that we, we deserve better governance than than that, and that yeah, maybe maybe we're, we're starting to get tired of uh, of you know majority governments elected with uh, far less than a majority of the vote. Hmm. And let's maybe go turn the clock back a bit because you've got a lot of experience working on this. So you were a campaign manager for the plebiscite uh, campaign that happened in 2016, but also the, was it plebiscite or referendum in uh, 2005? Plebiscite as well. Uh, Prince Edward pl- Island st- still doesn't ha- have a referendum act. Uh, we, right. we understand that one uh, should be coming in the next session of the legislature in April. And, but yeah, okay. always so only had a plebiscite act. Where uh, where were, were things at in 2005 in, in terms of the the state of organizing and how that differs to what things would have looked like, I guess, the last time when there was a plebiscite and then in the referendum coming up, what, how would you describe the challenge of being the, one of the people involved in canvassing for this and, yeah. and organizing for the pro well, well, PR movement? It's right from the start, th- there was a lot more, more support behind the idea of proportional representation in, in PEI in, in 2016 than there was in 2005. And hmm. And for all sorts of reasons. I mean, certainly in 2005, it was the first opportunity for, for organizing and awareness raising and capacity building around campaigning on proportional representation. And, you know, as as friends of mine from that campaign have been fond to say, you know, that work didn't really stop, even though it was mostly dormant uh, for, mm-hmm. for, for the next 11 years. Um, certainly when the, the question of, of democratic reform was brought up again uh, by, by Premier McLaughlin during the 2015 election campaign. You know, the, the same people who, who kind of formed mm-hmm. uh, the, the 2005, uh, I think we, we were called the, the Yes Coalition uh, because we were, the, the question in 2005 was yes or no on right. the question of mixed member proportional for PEI. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, then sort of different question in, in 2016. So you know, we kind of the same group of people uh, became the PEI Coalition for Proportional Representation. Big difference, also needs to be said, uh, was in 2005, the Green Party of Prince Island was kind of just getting started. Uh-huh. And, and obviously, in you know, you just look at, if you're paying any attention to Prince Edward Island politics these days, mm-hmm. uh, you can see that a big important change uh, over those 13 years has been not just an increase in popularity for the Green Party, but a, a notable increase in, in organizing capacity um, by Greens here on Prince Edward Island who... who just so many of them uh, were, were an, an important part of uh, the work that the PI Coalition for Proportional Representation did that, mm-hmm. you, you know, I, I wouldn't even want to single out people, but, you know, I'll single out, you know, f- four of them that, that worked on staff with me because th- they're all awesome. Um, my, my friend Anna Keenan, uh, my friend Jordan Bobber, um, my friend Sasha Burton, and, and my, my friend Cynthia King, who mm-hmm. actually is, you know, a former 
a colleague of my father's is a liberal MLA, but you know, seems to be be attracted to, to what the Green Party of PEI is doing these days. It probably, if you look at everywhere, there have been referendums on voting systems or, or really any issue when parties that have power, even if it's a small amount of power, take a side that lends some, uh, I think, credibility to the cause. And there's been a lot of cases where parties don't really do anything. Like in the Ontario referendum, there was no party, no elected party that had mm. expressed mean, a positive opinion on the option. They're... On, on that question, I guess, of Ontario, I, I think it's maybe unfair to say that there was no support from the Ontario NDP. I certainly, and I guess I speak to this, Mark. Well, I think the leader I, had I, said I, something that he, he Well, wasn't but I mean, the leader was from Northwestern Ontario. And, you know, for whatever reason, I don't think the, the Citizens Assembly really thought how mm-hmm. their, their, their recommendation would play in Northern Ontario. And, hmm. and I know having, you know, we're probably part time on, on that referendum campaign for four or five months and probably on a part-time basis for the year leading up to it like it was a hard ro- road to, to mm-hmm. go in, in northern ontario for sure mm-hmm. even amongst new democrats on pei what is the path between now and and the next uh election slash referendum look like for your group and your organizing it how maybe i'll just state what i see as some challenges so there's going to be a referendum that'll happen whenever the election comes there's no referendum act yet from the sounds of things as well as uh you know there's a a sample map but it wouldn't be the map and it sounds (laughs) like people that are opposed to it are really opposed to it yeah i i certainly the the political class on pei a large proportion of it is certainly opposed to proportional representation. Uh-huh. You know, I, I may be cautiously optimistic about, about how a referendum might go for, for our team and, and the cause of proportional representation more generally, because I, I do think a lot of island voters are also tired of our political class. But but we, we'll we'll see how, how the referendum goes. Certainly, you, you touched on it. We're, we're expecting, uh, you know, a referendum with the next election. I, I think most islanders working in politics and, you know, thinking about... Um, you know, the, the end of an election cycle is expecting that election to probably come as soon as June. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once the snow starts to melt, we'll, we'll be able to kind of get out on, on doorsteps and talk to islanders and maybe get on their phones and, and talk a little bit about uh, proportional representation. I think, you know, talking we were talking a bit about what was different in 2005 and, and, mm-hmm. and 2016. Certainly in 2016, just by virtue of having the being fortunate enough to work with an amazing team, the, the folks I mentioned uh, before Mark, you know, we, we just had had better capacity to get out and 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 talk to Islanders about proportional representation. I think we showed that that we have a winning message, and you know, I'm, I'm just hoping we can get out and have a lot of conversations with Islanders about how proportional representation will, will make Prince of Island democracy even better. Do you know what the question is going to be yet? I, my, my understanding is, is the question is probably just going to be mixed member proportional and, and first past the post, and mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not sure if. If how the question's drawn is really gonna gonna impact things, and even in a way, if, mm-hmm. I, I tend to even think if it's tried to drawn in a way that's biased against PR, that might you know become kind of apparent to voters, and maybe voters might see that then. Right, that's something they want to get behind. <laughs> the strategy. If if, 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 if if it's so dangerous, you know, maybe maybe this is something you know right. we need to get behind. I think I think people on PEI here they're tired of of being ruled by backrooms in Charlottetown, and they, they see how scared the backrooms in Charlottetown are of proportional representation. I think that, that, that really intrigues a lot of island voters. They, they certainly have questions. And mm-hmm. What are the more common questions 
and maybe misconceptions that folks have when you're meeting people about this issue? One that certainly people are trying to propagate, and I'll admit, Mark, to being being really, really disappointed to see members of the Legislative Assembly, ministers of the Crown, talk about you know, how mixed member proportional would see nine unelected members in the Legislative Assembly or nine members appointed to the Legislative Assembly. I mean, mm-hmm. That's just a bald-faced misrepresentation of, mm-hmm. of how, how the mixed member proportional representation uh, election system would work on, on Prince Edward Island. And Do we know anything about the structure of the system that would be voted on or is it just generally at this point the we would or islanders would be approving uh either to stick with the current system or to further develop a mixed member proportional system that would then become the system uh, well I, I guess i mean it's first important to say mark you know the the proportional representation caucus in the bi legislature is not huge right now <laughs> and you know that's why, why we're having uh-huh. this referendum rather than respecting the plebiscite results of Mm-hmm. Fall 2016, which maybe we'll note uh, here for your audience, is the first time in Prince Edward Island political history, I believe it was the 14th plebiscite, mm-hmm. where the results were not respected. Maybe that's even a convention that, you know, you respect plebiscite results. When, uh-huh. when you call an election, if, if you've got a result you really want, you have to go out and get the votes in the ballot box to get that result. And mm-hmm. I think the vast majority of island voters are on the side of the PEI coalition for proportional representation on that question, the government caucus really wants to stand out there and speak for the rights of non-voters. But mm-hmm. I think most island most islanders, you know, think non-voters had their say and they didn't participate in that process, and they're wondering why we're spending a bunch more good money to, uh-huh. you know, study this question again just because islanders made a choice that government caucus doesn't like. Offscript is produced by Springtide, and if you enjoy listening to what we have to share each week, we encourage you to support our work through a small monthly contribution at springtide.ngo slash offscript support. Your support means we're going to keep bringing you podcasts like this one and the ones you've been hearing over the last few months. It means we'll be able to put more time into finding and sharing more interesting stories about people trying to make an impact through politics without destroying themselves or the fabric of democracy in the process. It's been a while since we've asked you to contribute, and we know our audience has changed. For every current supporter of the podcast, there are another 33 people just listening to each episode. If you're one of those supporters, thank you for your contribution. You have kept us going. If you're one of those 33 people just listening, welcome. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, this one is on the house. But if you've been listening for a while now, we hope you'll give us your support. We're hoping for small amounts from each listener. You can contribute three, five, seven dollars a month to support the podcast. You can do that over at springtide.ngo slash offscript support. Something that makes our appeal different than those you might hear from other podcasts is that ours comes with a nice perk. Because Springtide is a registered educational charity, we offer our supporters a tax receipt, which means that you pay less on your taxes when you support us. So if you want to support us, go to springtide.ngo slash offscript support. Do you think it's going to be more challenging going at this question this time around because it's lumped in with a, a general election? It'll, it'll, be, it'll be different. Uh, obviously, the, the electorate that votes in a plebiscite is, I think, by definition, more politically engaged than the general election electorate. 
I may be more excited about the issue being voted oh, on. Oh, yeah, and maybe even just, just more politically engaged generally. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's certainly a challenge, but, you know, I, I'm not necessarily sure that as the electorate changes, goes from, you know, the, the 36% of Islanders who are engaged in what can be maybe even sometimes an esoteric debate on, on, on election mm-hmm. systems, certainly, you know, someone who's done a, a decent amount of talking to average folks about this, people less engaged in politics, you know, it, yeah, it, it doesn't motivate everybody. Where do you think this fits in the broader movement for electoral reform in Canada? I mean, I, I'd love to see, you know, the, the broader movement and for proportional representation in Canada see that there, there's, a, a you know, a, a vote coming up in an electorate of 100,000 people that, you know, your, your financial support to that group organizing and campaigning in an electorate of 100,000 people can really go a long way to winning proportional representation for Canada. I direct you to PR on <laughs> PEI dot vote slash donate. We, we, we would certainly love to have your financial support, and I, I can assure you uh, we'd spend it very, very, very wisely. To, to compare to somewhere like BC, there's a lot of resistance in BC and in PEI right now, but I think the logic on both hands that you're sort of suggesting is that it can be more easily overcome in a small place that could be this sort of like test case or pilot case for the rest of the country, or at least set some precedent because i know when whenever we have talked about proportional representation in nova scotia a lot of the rhetoric on the anti-proportional representation side is that well anytime canadians have had a chance to vote on this they vote against it which has you know there's some intricacies to to that that are being yeah but i think what they mean is that the results of those votes have no and, and people don't go to check the stats enough they know that the results of those votes haven't been necessarily Implemented. I don't know if you've noticed, Mark, or if your readers have noticed, honesty in political arguments is not actually a thing that's required in the real world. <laughs> uh, I have noticed. It's, yeah. it's sad to say, you know. Might, might have taken me my master's thesis there on that two, 2005 plebiscite to finally disabuse myself of that notion. But yeah, we can have all the great arguments in the world for proportional representation, but, yeah. you know, we, we need to build the political power to make that happen. And I guess... That, that was part of my, my argument too, Mark, was that I think here in, in PI we've built re- real political power uh, for this. So you did your master's thesis on what happened in the 2005 plebiscite. What did you take away from that? What did you learn and, and is it helping where you're going? Well, it, it, it certainly informed how, how I campaigned in, in 2016 and you know how, how I hope our group will campaign moving forward get way back into the weeds of, you know, kind of political philosophy. Um, probably have some people in, in, in there uh, amongst your listeners who yeah. might be interested. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of reading just P- electoral reform on PEI through, through the lens of, of deliberative democracy, specifically kind of deliberative democracy a la Jürgen Habermas. That's, event, that's spelled just like it sounds. Yeah, yeah you, you, you look at that, uh, you know, event kind of through that lens, which is, oh, you know, people can can come to reasonable, rational discussions about political issues. And I think you could even argue that for a guy like Habermas, PEI's political society presents a lot of ideal type qualities, just a relatively high level of social engagement, uh, closer social proximity. But, you know, I, I, I don't think the 2005 electoral reform process, nor any electoral reform process is, mm-hmm. you know, it's these are things that find out 
voters' rational views on elections. They're, you know, right. p- political processes with, you know, political interests that favor more democracy through proportional representation and political interests that are very, very scared of more democracy through proportional representation. I mean, mm-hmm. here I think in the context of PEI, in the context of Canada, I think, you know, the the center, I, I think, fears proportional representation. Lots of your listeners are no doubt uh, familiar with, with the work of uh, Donald Savoy, mm-hmm. uh, who's the center in, in the, the way that Donald Savoy means it. I, I, I certainly wouldn't attribute you, this analysis to Donald Savoy because this is my own analysis here, but I think... How does he mean the center? Well, he means the center as in... You know, the metonym here in PI would be the fifth floor. I don't know what it is in... in uh, One government place, the premier's yeah, office. Yeah, one government yeah. place, exactly. Mm-hmm. In, in Ottawa, it would be... Well, I guess it's not Langevin Block anymore. It's the PMO, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I think those those central agencies tightly around the, around the first minister know that proportional representation would, to some degree, and I think it would be a, a very, very good and healthy degree you can mm-hmm. see a shift in power from you know the cabinet and more specifically the first minister who chooses that cabinet to the legislature more broadly and, and I'm, i i see that as mm-hmm. exceptionally salutary for democracy and maybe just to, to even do a little bit of personal background if i may mark to yeah. maybe even how i got into this i'd, I'd say i probably probably became interested in proportional representation as an issue um around the 2000 federal budget. And that's because I, I had spent, well, I was spending that year as a page in the House of Commons uh, and had spent the previous year, uh, you know, 98, 99, as a page in the Prince Edward Island Legislative Assembly. Um, already alluded to, you know, my father having been involved in politics. So, you know, grew up interested in politics, discussing political issues all the time uh, in our family. And for me, you know, I would have probably gone to Ottawa in 99 thinking, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a liberal. But, you know, certainly watching that budget to me, it was frustrating because you may remember those times as kind of the, the Reform Party Canadian Alliance days. Mm-hmm. And very much uh, the Chrétien government at that time was worried about sort of the right flank. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being so disillusioned after the 2000 budget because... You know, heard just this whole rhetoric all year of, oh, you know, we're, oh, also federal government just getting back to balance at that point, budget balance, I mean. And I, the rhetoric all year from the prime minister, Paul Martin, other senior ministers were, once we get back to balance, we will spend 50% of all surpluses on important social programs and 50% on debt reduction and taxes reduction. And Is that your Kretchen or your Martin? It's a little bit of both. A horrible <laughs> impression, actually. But... So, and I remember, you know, reading the breakdown of the budget spending. I, I didn't get the fun of being in the budget uh-huh. for the house that day. I think I had an exam or something. But I can remember reading the coverage and someone breaking down the spending between those categories I talked of, new spending and debt reduction and taxes. And right. It might have been even single digits on new spending because, you know, the 2000 budget was clearly designed to fend off tax from the right. Mm-hmm. And, and I just remember going away from that mark being so just disillusioned with, I'm like, was the entire cabinet's, you know, question period answers about budgetary policy for a year just, you know, political puff just to be, you know, turned on on a dime when, mm-hmm. you know, the political winds change because Stockwell Day is kind of handsome. 
and, and you know, it's I your can, first political heartbreak. And, and I can may, maybe just you know remember through the next couple of years studying kind of about how politics works in different countries, and that being definitely like an academic interest of mine, how different uh-huh. election systems work and different political systems work, and and I can remember probably going well, no, it would have been the two thousand three NDP leadership campaign. I, I can remember. Lauren Nystrom, you know, convinced me to sign up uh, based on, you know, talking to him about PR. And, you know, I guess for me that, you know, led me down a path of, of activism in the federal NDP for, you know, the time I lived in Ottawa and even more so uh, during the years I lived in Toronto. And, you know, for, for me, always a big part of that activism was, you know, because the NDP, maybe not as much as every PR activist would like them to. I, I think the NDP's... Mm-hmm. Over the 15 years, I've been been a member, a pretty strong voice uh, for for making Canadian democracy better uh, with PR. At least they've always had a policy, or for in, in most cases, well, I think as, they've as had long a policy. As I've been yeah. a member, definitely, and, and whether they've been know, with, with Jack, vocal it was a a, a, a a policy. And I mean, I, I think certainly as someone who worked in, in the Jack Layton building in the 2015 election, you know, I feel like Palm talked about it a good amount and. There was maybe a regional variation to how much he talked about it, but you know, when he went to the west coast of Canada, Tom O'Care talked about proportional representation on the regular. Huh. Like, made it into the stump speech on purpose. That says something to, to the great work of PR, PR advocates on, on uh, that coast of Canada, too. Sometimes I wonder, and I, this is kind of getting away from the how and more at the sort of just like um, blue sky curiosity area, but I, I wonder... How has this become a thing that's sort of like popped up again and again in PEI compared to, I guess, Nova Scotia, for instance, where like there's literally, you know, zero appetite from any of the uh, parties that have been in government while they were in government to to do something about this. And I look at PEI, I guess, traditionally less so in the last couple of years. And I think like that place, you know, we have had three different parties in power in government. PEI has still only just been, you know, the the two, like, long-time traditional liberal and Tory parties. I, I do think it does go back to what I was saying, Mark, that part part of the reason why, why people on PEI support PR is that, you know, we our political life, we've lived through periods where, you know, and regularly in in the recent past where, you know, th- there's really not an opposition caucus that, that has the Mm-hmm. The, the people and the ability to really hold government to account. And, and I think more and more Islanders see that that's a problem and, and they know that proportional representation is a fix to that. And yeah, I, I think, you know, my, my understanding of certainly Nova Scotian politics is you haven't quite had that. You haven't had the you no, know, tie that, that rolls pretty... in where, you know, you've got five or six you know, lonely people on the opposition benches in there. Yeah, no, the majorities have been pretty like yeah they've been safe but they've they've not been like tidal yeah whereas certainly i I mean yeah i know there's lots of people i think if there's you know if there's folks you know me yeah this maybe isn't completely fair but i know there's definitely folks who who would normally almost always vote pc here on pei and i think that's part of the reason why we earn their votes for proportional representation and, and and i'm hopeful we might again because you know they've seen that it doesn't work even when it's 26 pc mlas and one liberal that Right. But that doesn't make much much sense. Because the distinction between that and what we have at a policy level isn't very much. The, the piece that's been most compelling for me is just seeing that, like, when a majority government comes in and, like, 
completely just erasing the previous government's policies. There might be strong voices against it in our legislature, but I'd say that uh, not having looked at you know the the history of uh, Nova Scotian and PEI legislatures uh, or cabinet's decisions on issues between one government and the next, I would suspect that sort of like policy lurch from one end to the other is pretty similar. Honestly, it wouldn't. I, I don't have the sense that that policy lurch argument is as much of, of a thing um, here on PEI. Oh, it's um, not there in Nova Scotia either. It's just my oh yeah, or, or <laughs> the, the people issue, who are the following the issue you care about. Yeah, um, and you know maybe, maybe there are people who would who would see that as an issue on PEI. Um, but yeah, I certainly think people people on the island also want change as well. I think that I, I think in, in the last provincial election, our our premier won because. He, he was able to present himself as a face of change to the electorate. I think a lot of the electorate is now disappointed because they don't see much change. And I, I think the next election will be a change election as well uh, mm-hmm. in Prince Edward Island. And I'm, I'm hoping part of that change is, is, is a strong majority vote to change our electoral system to mixed member proportional representation to make Prince Edward Island democracy even better. Cool. Well, sounds like a good place to leave it. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks so much, Mark. Really appreciate it. That's this week's episode of the Offscript Podcast. Offscript is a podcast produced by Springtide, and we are a Canadian charity committed to helping people lead change through politics with their integrity intact. Find us at springtide.ngo, facebook.com slash springtideco, or on Twitter at springtideco. You can find me on Twitter at Mark Coffin. Subscribe to the podcast, search for Offscript wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're listening to the show on a web browser, you can also subscribe for email updates on the right-hand sidebar of this post and get a message whenever a new show is released every Wednesday. Share this podcast on Facebook or Twitter. You can find an easy-to-share link at springtide.ngo slash OS30. That's for Offscript episode 30. If you like what we do, support our work. You can chip in $3, $5, or $7 a month over at springtide.ngo slash offscript support.